We all need a place to live and what we're looking for may change throughout our lives. What doesn't change is the need for it to fulfill a purpose. More than a place, it's an environment that should serve you and build you up. Join us, your hosts, MK Corey and Giselle Rivera, as we help you find a place to live. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. And you? Good. What are we talking about today? Market fear. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Feels appropriate with this coming out around or recording a little bit before Halloween. I know. It might come out closer to the first of the holidays. That's right. It's right after Halloween. But it's still a it's actually even more relevant because as we get closer to the holidays, there are speculations that we could see interest rates rising even more. Mm-hmm. And then in a more normal market, we also see things slowing down a bit over the holidays. Yes. People just want to travel, spend time with family. And people might wonder, is it a good time for me to sell? Is it a good time for me to buy? Yes. And I think it's actually important to make that distinction that every single year, almost regardless of what's going on, there's a flow, a trend to the market every single year that peaks in the spring and the early summer, mm-hmm. takes a dip later in the summer, picks up after Labor Day, and then dies back down to the lowest during the holidays for that exact reason. And that kind of like roller coaster happens almost every year without a doubt yes and for those of you that have entered or try to enter the market within the last two years we can call the pandemic years right between 2020 particularly 2021 and 2022 which has been an anomaly Mm -hmm. in terms of how the market behaves it might be news to you is at, at that point during 2021 and 2022, the market has behaved so differently in terms of the interest rates available, the the competition for houses, how quickly a house could sell. It was just completely different. It has, yeah, it has been an anomaly. Yeah. And as we are seeing changes now of the market behaving, some might say a bit more balanced and we're, we'll talk about that in more details uh, as part of this episode, it might feel like this is a bad time to buy or a bad time to sell because we're comparing to the last two years, which have been an anomaly. Instead of looking at it from a bigger picture of what has happened over the last 10, 20, 30 years and how the market has behaved, particularly the real estate market. Yeah, and I think it's important to level set and just say, A couple of things. One, the historical average of a 30-year fixed mortgage is just below or right around 8% for the history of time. So the 2%, 3% interest rates were artificially, unrealistically low. And I've heard multiple experts at this point say, we will never see that again in our lifetime. We will not see twos again ever. Mm. We might see threes. It's more likely to say that we might see fours 
and may never see threes again, just to level set. So right now I think we're in the sixes and sevens, mm -hmm. expecting it to go up before the end of the year, probably, depending on how and if we can control inflation. So as far as whether or not it's a good time to buy now, looking at just interest rates, we would say historically, yeah, it's about normal. <laughs> yes. And it also depends what you want to do with the home too. Absolutely. How long you expect to be in the house, of course, life happens and what you plan might not be what actually happens in your life. But generally speaking, it all depends what you want to do with the house. Is that a house that you want to hold using more financial jargon? You want to hold to that house. However it is, either that's your forever home or you want to buy it now and rent it later to others and it's an investment property. Depends on how long you want to hold on to that property. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what your intentions are. And that, that could change, and that's okay. And I also think there are a lot of other factors that play into whether or not now is a good time to purchase. It does usually in conversations and in podcasts and YouTube videos get boiled down to the numbers, but I think Giselle and I are very, very adamant about the fact that where you live and why you're living there usually is not run by the numbers. It's run by your why and what's going on in your life. Absolutely. So let's talk about that today. Let's dive into this concept of the market fear, what's going on and our own experiences with fear when we're making a, a big financial decision, like buying a house. Yes. Did you and Kate experience that fear when you were looking into purchase a home or have you seen it from friends? Yes. Yes. I think for us with the timing of our purchase, we were at the right, right at the beginning of the crazy market gold rush. And so we had been shopping for six months. And I think at that point we were just afraid that we weren't going to be able to buy and be happy with what we were choosing rather than having a fear of it being a bad investment. But we were also shopping for smaller homes and in places where people will want to live, probably, this is an assumption, but like places that we thought would be valuable to people in the future, kind of regardless of what the future held. So yeah, I would say our fear was like making a bad decision and buying a house just to buy a house versus like buying a house that suited us was one of our main fears because we did originally start shopping for pre-owned older homes on wider lots, preferably with like some sort of two, two and a half, if not three car garage type situation just for our interests and ended up in a new build home on a smaller lot with a two car garage. But I also think it came with a lot of perks that the older homes weren't going to have like warranties we've talked about and it's in a really good location still. So we kind of had to compromise it. But I think our greatest fear was just like making a bad decision for us and rather than making a bad financial decision. Cause I think we kind of forfeited getting exactly what we wanted to make sure that the numbers still made sense for us. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people talk about location being the primary aspect when it comes to real estate decisions. Yeah, I love location, to talk about location, yeah. location. Yep. I love to talk about compromise though, because location is at its core, but for me, it's more about compromise. What 
you definitely want a need versus what you want, you're okay to let go. I think I've established that I like to torture myself. <laughs> <laughs> Another spreadsheet? Uh, just emails. Just okay. general emails. I was looking into conversations that I had with builders back in the summer of 2020. Oh, no. At the beginning of the pandemic. And I was getting quotes, wanted to see what builders had available. And now I look at those prices and I'm like, oh, no. Because oh. hindsight is 2020, of course. But I want to think about it as a learning experience as well. Because at mm -hmm. that moment in time, there was a lot of fear in the market. And I had a lot of fear of what was going to happen. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of talk about the market crashing because mm -hmm. people were losing their jobs or getting furloughed. And that was one of the biggest headlines throughout. Job losses, companies laying off. Furloughs. Mm -hmm. And even at the company that I was with at the time, I also didn't know if I was going to have a job within the next two or three months. I knew mm -hmm. I had projects then, but I didn't know about the future. So there was a lot of fear inside of me. And we had looked at a house that will forever be my dream home. Mm -hmm. in, in Prosper. For those of you that are not familiar with Dallas-Fort Worth, it is a town that has grown exponentially within the last two years. We were looking at a home that had been sitting on the market for about two months. Mm -hmm. Gorgeous home. Perfect lot for me because it had, it didn't have neighbors in the back. It had a little pond. I could see myself in that home forever mm. it was just perfect like it had everything that I have ever dreamed of in a home but it was expensive it was seven hundred thousand dollars but as I looked at the numbers we we felt that we could get it for less mm -hmm. about 670 680 however because there was so much fear in the market even lenders had a lot of fear themselves on lending money. So the 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 requirements to get a loan were very, very strict. So it was going to be a stretch for us financially to be able to get that, technically getting two loans to be able to afford it. Okay. So making a decision like that, getting into two loans to be able to get into a home, even if it felt like a good deal, when you don't know if you're going to have a job next month, well we had to make a decision based on that because that's all the information that we had and we decided not to offer on the home. Mm. Now that house is worth 1.3, 1.4 million. Just after two years. Just after two years because of how much that area has grown and that particular community, which is called Winston Ranch. Yeah. But that's... I, we made a decision with the information that we had. There was a lot of uh, uncertainty in the market. No one could have guessed what was going to happen next. Mm -hmm. So even today, even right now, 2022, and if someone is listening this in 2030, <laughs> know that in 2022, end of year 2022, there is a lot of fear on the market based on the rise in interest rate. Yes. But no one can really predict 
what's going to happen two months, six, six months, a year from now. Right. It really go either way. Because to your point, it's also a very psychological decision as much as it is financial. Yes. It's really hard to predict how people's emotions, how people are going to react to what's going on. Right. What they'll feel like is a good deal. Mm-hmm. What they feel like is a smart idea. Yeah. The One of my pet peeves is the rhetoric of media mm-hmm. because negativity sells. Like big headlines sell. And I have a theory that most mortgage companies, instead of advertising a service that they were offering or why they were doing things better than their peers, mm-hmm. the last two years, they were purely advertising how low they could get your interest rate. Yeah. And now interest rates are no longer low, but they spent the last two years conditioning all the buyers to emphasize and focus on the interest rate because that's what made them quote unquote better. Mm-hmm. It's now kicking them in the rear end and yeah. causing a lot of fear in buyers and, you know, party conversations and dinner conversations are like, oh my gosh, you can't buy a house at 6%. That's a ripoff. I got mine at two. Right. I got mine at three. Mine's half as much as yours. Like you should just wait. You shouldn't, you should just wait. That's that's my conspiracy theory is that <laughs> the marketing was too good for the last two years on interest rates. So, I mean, what what are what are some things that people can focus on to just help them decide whether or not it's quote unquote a good decision or a good time to buy a house when we can't predict the future? Yeah, I will always sound like a broken record when I say know your options. Yeah. So what looking are their back, options? Yeah. Like looking back at 2020, we were, we saw a house and we wanted to put an offer. So we're going to see what we can get and how we can get this house instead of looking at it from the lens of let's start from the beginning. Let's start at looking at our financial situation at the time and anchoring on what we can actually afford or what it's actually feasible for us because mm-hmm. it could it could have meant that you could have bought a different house and still made a lot of money because it's you know instead of buying in 2021 where we needed to compete we, we if we bought in 2020 there wasn't as much as competition so we were more likely to get a deal mm-hmm. and now my approach to real estate, knowing what I know now, not just from a an agent standpoint, but being a buyer within the last two years, and as I talk to people, let's take a step back and know your options. Because yes, there are lenders that advertise the low interest rates, but there are lenders that also are very, very good at walking you through options. And mm-hmm. that's not found with any with every lender. No. Every lender could do that. Not every lender does that. Particularly if you go to, let's say, a new construction home and you go directly to the builder and they have a preferred lender. The focus is, can you afford this house or not? It's it's a take it or leave it type of situation. Mm -hmm. If you take a step back and talk to a lender first, you can know 
what options they have for you that you that that you could afford or you could apply to things like the the interest buy down that it's becoming more popular now and it's something that I didn't know about two years ago mm -hmm. I didn't know about that a year ago and right. now there's it's it's a new talk of the town that it could even be a better offer to offer the same list price or asking price but ask for money to buy down your rate. That's right. mind blowing for me. It's a win-win. Can you believe it? Yeah. <laughs> so things like there's the buy down. There's also what's called the temporary buy down, which it's a similar concept, but you only do it for the first mm -hmm. two or three years of, of your loan. And then the rest, it's at a fixed rate. Hate it or love it. I have mixed feelings about it, but the adjustable rates, mm. which I feel it's more of a gamble. Yeah. Because you don't know by the time that your rate will adjust, depending on the length of it, if it's three, five, seven years, what the rate is going to be. Right. It doesn't mean that you're stuck with that loan type for the rest of your life. You can refinance to something different. Mm -hmm. Just don't know what's going to be happening at that point of time. And of course, the fixed rate, if you're, I don't care, especially if it's an investment property, because you mm -hmm. can pass down that rate to whomever is going to rent your property. So, yeah. Yeah. That and it arms also work, especially if they have like a two, three, five or two, five, seven, where, where the first two years are at a certain low rate and then it goes up at the three year or the five year or whatever it is. There's different variations of it. If you know you're only going to be in the home for, that period of time, then mm -hmm. you can lock in that lower interest rate. You just have to make sure that you can then turn around and sell it and, and not have any fine print that's preventing you from paying it off too soon, mm -hmm. which bridge loans have sometimes. But yes, I, I do want to explain really quickly that as real estate agents, we get to build our own team <laughs> and work with the lenders that work well with the people that we're serving. Mm -hmm. We don't get kickbacks from working <laughs> with certain lenders at all. So when we recommend working with somebody because they do a really good job explaining it or they're very communicative or they have, you know, superior processes, whatever it is, it's purely because we believe in their process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're not getting anything out of it except for guaranteeing that you're going to have a better experience through the buying process. So we talk, yeah, and we talk to a lot of people. <laughs> That's the foundation of our job, talking to people, building that relationships. It's like and a group I... project all the time. <laughs> and sometimes you get to pick your partners and sometimes you get assigned partners. Yeah. The real yeah. life version. <laughs> yeah. And and we we get to vet out a lot of people. Yes. For you. Because some that I talk to, I'm like, I'm not going to refer you any business. No, no. No, but yeah, we could do a whole blooper reel on things that vendors have told me <laughs> while taking me to coffee. Oh my God. It's another, another conversation for another day. Let's part. But yeah, it's a big group project. So we just try to influence the group that we're working with because we all end up getting kind of the same grade at the end. Does the transaction go through and did you like us? Yes or That's no? That's true. That's true. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. If 
if someone starts the process backwards, which is what I did in 2020. I went What do you online, mean by that? I went online, I saw a house that I liked, and I said, schedule a tour. That's it. I didn't know who was going to represent me. I just wanted to see the house, and that's it. And the person was good, but there is an aspect of, it's like a vibe. It's like dating. <laughs> yep. Finding the right people that can guide you. It's a lot like dating. You got to go to those dates, talk to people, see if you like it. But as you do that, time go goes by. Mm -hmm. And if, if you think about that, particularly for us women that we have a, a, a clock <laughs> that you have to do some things in life at, at, a, at an age to be able to do other things in life, mm -hmm. that, that clock is continuously ticking. And the same happens in real estate. As you're finding the right person that can actually guide you, time goes by and the market could change. And that's what definitely happened to me. Mm. It took me about a year to find the team for myself. So mm -hmm. I found someone that I liked working with and I had, I built up my team basically with my agent before I got my license and my, the lender. But it meant that in that year of time, that's when it actually switched over. We mm -hmm. went from a true buyer's market amazing homes going for under under asking I look back it's a deal that house is worth twice as much now two we were looking into house and the to houses and there was so much competition we were looking into a territory of what's called waiving contingencies mm -hmm. meaning we had to take more risks to make it easier for the seller more appealing. Yeah. More appealing. And that different type of risks or lease backs, for example, where they can stay on the home for a longer period of time based on, on Texas law. It's, it's the form that we have that it's the standard would be up to 90 days, mm -hmm. letting them leave in the house, even though we're paying for it, giving more money down for making the option period, which is our due diligence as buyers to see that the house is in good conditions, making that even shorter. So we're taking risk, 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 risk to be able to get the house. Mm -hmm. And that happened within a year until I found my team. The market changed. When you were looking for your team, mm -hmm. did you find the right agent the first time? I found good agents, but not the best fit for me. Mm -hmm. at that moment in time and that is key because most of the time agents will find what we call a niche and this is a very general terms for any type of business the people that you relate to and you can talk to mm -hmm. and I'm going to use the two different examples not related to my own experience but let's say you are a luxury buyer you want to buy a house that it's worth five million that's your range and the first agent that you talk to is one that it's really focused on or knowledgeable on foreclosures 
looking into 300 to 500,000 range. Well, that agent is really good on their niche. It doesn't speak to, is it a good or a bad agent? Just a third focus is different than what you're looking for. And that's something very similar to what happened to us. Until mm -hmm. we, because we were new to the area and we, we weren't really sure where to buy. When we found someone that found us options and helped us explore different areas that helped us actually move faster and narrow down our options. We looked into the houses at the top of our budget that were dream homes. We looked at houses that were on the bottom of our range that could potentially become investment properties. We mm -hmm. looked north of Dallas, west of, of Dallas, the new builds, existing homes, houses that have been built 10 years ago. We looked at so many different things until we found the one. But that didn't happen until we found the right agent. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I we also worked with one agent for a long time and then realized not a good fit. And I say that because... I, I think they were a newer agent, which is not a bad thing. You can mm -hmm. be new and work really hard and it'd be wonderful to work with. But the agent that we had been paired with off the bat wasn't providing us any guidance. Mm -hmm. We were doing all of the research. We mm -hmm. were asking questions and, and not really getting answers. And so we weren't getting the guidance that we needed. And I know there's some limitations with like, we are not allowed to steer. We can't say if this is a good or a bad neighborhood or anything like that. But I think that we needed somebody to level set our expectations and say like what you're looking for is either not existing right now or unlikely to happen or it's going to need to be a fixer upper or you're going to have to look in these areas. Like if you want these things, here's how to find it. Or if you want these things, you're not going to find it, which is sometimes the truth of the matter, like mm -hmm. that our price range wasn't going to fit our wants or, you know, the likelihood of getting an acre in the middle of DFW for a certain budget with a perfect home with no fixing up and needs that is 30 years old is probably not realistic. And we weren't getting any feedback like that. And after six months of searching and putting in an offer or two and just getting zero feedback about why we weren't winning, we were like, I think we need somebody who's going to sit us down and tell us how it really is. Mm -hmm. And we did need to learn. We we needed to have some heartbreak and we needed to go explore and, and figure out what areas we did and didn't want to be in mm -hmm. and really finalize our budget. But we did all of those things. Nobody gave us any sort of guidance of like, okay, here's what you want to spend. Here's what you can spend. Here's what you should spend. None of that happened until we ended up working with Johanna and she was like, you're not going to get that. It's just not going to work. You either need to come up $100,000 or you need to change your expectations or you need to go look at new builds. So it was, it was compromise again, but she was able to tell us what actually was in the market. <laughs> <laughs> and so. there's there's another aspect to it too because we're both actually now working with Johanna on yep. the same team she's and so it, good we couldn't leave but it's the concept of whether it's it's a new agent or or an experienced agent the difference of being part of a team because going back to the dating pool 
using mm-hmm. the dating example. And it happened with us with Johanna. Because when we were, we started our search with her in a specific area, Frisco, Prosper, and Salina. Yep. But we always had the hunch that we wanted to look more further into, into downtown Dallas. Okay. And we're also very data oriented. So once our search started shifting more towards closer to downtown Dallas, she actually paired us with another agent that specialized in that area. And she Mm -hmm. was, he's also, he was a financial analyst at the time. Cool. So she knew that it would be a great fit for us because he knew the area and he was very data oriented. So also that humbleness of, of recognizing actually this other agent would be a better fit for you. What's really key in our search and help us find the house because otherwise she didn't try to keep us in the area that she focuses on. Mm-hmm. She allowed us to look further out by connecting us with other agents that knew about that. And we found the house that it's perfect for us for this moment or stage of our lives. Yeah. Because I also think as a buyer, it's unrealistic to expect one person to know everything about the entire DFW market. There's oh just no God. way. <laughs> There's no it's, way. It's so big and... There's something for everyone, but it means that there are a lot of options. There are a lot of options and there's no one person that can know everything to your point. Even us. We're going to try. (laughs) Even us, your host of A Place to Live. I'm really focused on Dallas and north of Dallas and you're more focused on Fort Worth. Right. It's the areas that we know not just as agents, but also as buyers and seeing how the market has been shifting in the last two or three years. We've experienced that. Right. And what impacts Collin County may or may not be impacting Tarrant County the same way. So. I love to hear that. uh, No, I mean, it's just like, there wasn't anything specific that came to mind, but there are a lot of trends like in 2021, or even just earlier this spring, 2022, the the over-asking percentage was significantly higher than the over-asking offers in Tarrant County. It was just less competitive. So things like that do make a difference. But understanding that and having somebody who can guide you in those areas and who is humble enough to say like, okay, if you want to change where you're looking or what you're looking for, then you'd be better suited working with somebody else, here's who you can work with is hugely important so that you can navigate market fears. I also think it's important if we talk about for a few minutes, like what are the macro trends that Mm -hmm. even though year over year, there's a little bit of change or yeah, just the macro trends that overall influence the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yeah. How about, because I really want to talk about the macro trends to your point and what could happen in the future. Yes. So let's hear it from our sponsors and then come back to that. Okay. Today, we are sponsored by our own hard work and dedication. Thank you to us for showing up. That's right. We are investing in our future selves. So just connect with us on social media. I'm fine plena. And I'm MK Sells Texas on Instagram. So keep listening to A Place to Live podcast. 
we've talked so far about things that we could do now to help us cope with the market fear. But let's talk about looking into the future and macro trends that can help us make better decisions or informed decisions, even though, caveat, we don't have a crystal ball. No, we cannot see the future, unfortunately. But there are some overall macro trends that highly influence how the housing market looks right now and what we expect or assume it will look like in the near and long term. I'm going to use Prosper as an example, because even as a buyer, I also looked into trends and found out about the tollway. And I looked into what they call the comprehensive plans of the town that explains what they're planning to build as my nerdy self and how that helped me look into the future. And I nailed it. It grew. What did? We were actually living in McKinney and a family member of ours recommended us, yeah, recommended us McKinney to live. So we uh-huh. started our search in McKinney. But as I started to be my nerd self and do research online, I found Prosper and I learned about the Dallas Tollway, which is a major, major highway that's connecting downtown Dallas all the way through the north. And it is expected to continue to expand into north of Colling and Denton County. So all Frisco, Prosper, Salina, and north of that would expect to have that tollway for a, a, a quicker commute to downtown. And that, along with the Prosper Comprehensive Plan, which this is, I didn't know that cities did this. Because growing up in Puerto Rico, there's no such thing (laughs) where the cities plan out the next 20 years. But if you look online for Prosper, the the plan for by 2040, Mm -hmm. it actually shows the zoning changes that are planned where they expect to have more commercial real estate, even apartments, the districts that they want to build that would mix and commercial. And you can see that growth or that planned development in those areas. And even though it's not there, and even though it's not guaranteed that it will be there by 2040, that is actually what the city is working towards. So any type of development that gets approved in the next two decades has to be within those guidelines of what the city is envisioning. And when I was looking into that, that was 2020. And that's when I fell in love with Prosper because I saw this and I say, oh my God, this area is going to grow. No one is talking about Prosper, but look at all of this. And this was before I was even an agent. This was me just Googling stuff. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't a crystal ball. There are other factors that absolutely influence the growth of Prosper, but it has actually grown. And right now you're looking into houses in the millions Mm -hmm. when you were looking into half a million dollar homes in two years. And it's just going to continue to expedite because I absolutely love driving by the tollway and seeing how it, it continues to, to be built from when I moved here that it was more of, oh, so this is where they're going to build the tollway to, oh my God, 
look how far they've gone. They have their ramps. Yes. Seeing that has been so amazing. And then you can see how that has a, a trickle down effect to the areas that are close to the tollway because it just facilitates people that may have to work downtown that instead of having to commute in a one or two lane type of road with multiple traffic lights, now they just get on a tollway with five lanes and just go straight to downtown. Mm -hmm. So it facilitates or invites development in the area or close to it. Yes. Now people have more options of where they can live. And as residential real estate is built, what it is said is that commercial typically follows because you need ha- you first need to have the people in the area. So then a commercial investor will be like, oh, now population has grown. Now it makes sense to have my supermarket. And it's actually what's happening. Mm-hmm. Prosper didn't have a supermarket until five years ago. And now it does. And now... There are other supermarkets opening up. I think Whole Foods is going to be in Prosper now as well. I love Whole Foods. Yeah. That's that's (laughs) one of my key items to look for, for a place to live. (laughs) Yes. I also think the, just going off of zoning, so you can see what the city expects will be built. Mm -hmm. It does not always follow. We're having that happen right now near, near our neighborhood. There's stuff going up that was... Not as they had announced originally. So it does change, but that is Mm -hmm. one way to look at that, how the roads are going to look and what projects they have planned versus what they have no plans for does Mm -hmm. matter because that means it's going to take even longer to fix the streets where maybe more homes are going up faster than the roads are being corrected, which does matter because in Texas versus like the Northeast, we have a lot of space to Mm -hmm. build out roads and build the infrastructure to support the population that's moving to the area. And and I think that's really interesting because one, there are several highways over here. I-35W and I-35 East are both a mess, but I-35W specifically is being expanded currently. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that alleviates some of the congestion in North Fort Worth right now. But I think the other thing that's going to be interesting looking at a macro perspective is the idea of the DART mm-hmm. um, as well as the bullet train that they're oh. trying to put in between Dallas, Fort Worth, connecting Houston and Austin because then the commute to Dallas to Austin is 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you can live in a completely different city and work in a different city and and your commute is shorter than if you commuted in the same town, which I is love, wild. I love the, the concept of transportation real estate because one of the drawbacks or pushbacks that, for example, Austin is experiencing with growth is that they don't have as much space, to your point, mm-hmm. to build this highway. So it is growing rapidly, but then traffic is getting insane because they all have to take the same roads. Versus here in in Dallas, Fort Worth area, it's plan ahead. You know, we're planning to develop Celina by 2040. So let's build the roads now. Let's build these highways now so that we can support that growth. And that's a key aspect as well. For someone as a buyer, the caveat though is, are you willing to live in that area that is not developed yet and make a bet into the future 
so that you can potentially see the growth and hopefully appreciation. That is not guaranteed because to your point, what may have been promised or planned may not be what is built, but it's typically some pointers that, that could show you that there's there's potential growth in that area. Right. Or if you like go on to tx.gov and you don't see any plans to expand <laughs> and you think it's already a problem and there are new neighborhoods going up in the area or more apartment complexes, that is also something to be aware of. Because just going back to the macro piece of it, DFW's population grew by 21.1% between 2010 and 2020. So in that decade, we've grown exponentially. It's huge. In January of this year, in 2022, U-Haul announced that no other state in the U.S. had more one-way U-Haul trucks entering the state. Wow. Texas was the top of the top. One way. Oh, I get Which chills. Is, yeah. Isn't that surprising? Because I, I would have guessed maybe like Denver would have been up there. And I don't know if it, if it was close or if it was by a landslide, Texas is the place to go. And half of those U-Hauls were one ways to Austin. Which is I, I can talk to that from a personal experience because I am one of those U-Hauls. There you go. <laughs> and we did look into Denver and we did look into Austin and decided on Dallas. For us, Denver, we didn't want to deal with the snow in the winter. Even though we have a day of winter, of true winter in Dallas-Fort Worth, or we ice. may get two or three in 2023, but it's not, it's not common. It's not something that you will have to shovel every single day for right. the rest of the winter. That was one piece. And for us was, even though Denver does have a huge airport and international airport is not as big as Dallas Fort Worth no and for us a key piece was having non-stop flights to Puerto Rico where I'm from which we wouldn't have in Denver Denver does provide more outdoors experience in Dallas Fort Worth with the slopes yeah. nearby so there's always hiking and snowboarding for people that like that so going back to the point of what's important to you if you love hitting the slopes every weekend perhaps you should consider denver yeah but do we you not, do have do you snowboard you said for people who like that <laughs> well i i tried it the first time last year okay and i want to do it more often okay I, I really liked it yes i'm i grew up in an island so and we didn't have the money to go to the slopes every winter right so it's something that my husband and I were learning now in our 30s and try to do at least once a year to go to the slopes. Uh, so we actually, fun fact, that's why we started working out this year. <laughs> oh, so you can be ready for the slopes. The yeah, altitude. A, and a, but altitude and just core strength. Yes. It was eye-opening that we needed to get back to working out. Yeah, there it takes is... a lot of leg like, strength and stamina. Yeah. And to that point, if if you like the slopes, but it's not something that you have to do every weekend, then Dallas does make sense because you can get to Denver within an hour and a half flight. So mm -hmm. We drove last year to, to Denver. It was a 12-hour drive, but worth it. We drove last year too. And it mm -hmm. is because we had packed up and we're heading to the airport. And on our way to the airport, <gasps> the flight was canceled. Oh. And so we just turned the car around. 
We just wow. started driving. We're living the moment. <laughs> We're like, we are going. It yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. And going back to the point, I also looked, we also looked into Austin area. Mm-hmm. Mainly because husband being a software engineer, it it also provides at least hiking. So there are outdoors experiences that, that we have access to. But it was too expensive for us. Yeah. To to be able to purchase when we compared prices what we could purchase in Dallas versus what we could purchase in Austin, then Dallas made more sense. And also from a job market standpoint, because Austin tech is so such a big industry, it meant job security for my husband, but not necessarily for me. Yep. I'd rather be in a place where I have more options. I've experienced that already. Actually, also from the standpoint of real estate in Puerto Rico, if you were to purchase in an area, there's only one industry that it's big. It's great when it's all up and coming, but if there's anything, any type of regulation that comes up or maybe a government benefit for companies within that industry that gets stripped out, it does have a big effect uh, on real estate because employment is such a big driver. Mm-hmm. on real estate so yes. long that there are jobs there's there's a, a, a healthier economy people would be moving but if there is one industry that is on top of the game and then within a year that's gone the jobs are gone as well so you could see values come down and we saw that in Puerto Rico yeah for sure So that would be another macro for the DFW area is the variety Mm -hmm. of companies that are here and are coming here across the board from technology to automotive and transportation, semiconductors. You've got medical fields up here that aren't in a lot of other metroplexes, even like industrial distribution with the Alliance Airport. There's a lot across the metro. So I think we can wrap it up. We can take it home. Take it home. What are your, some of your points that you're taking home today? Wow. Media will always have a way to promote fear because that sells. So it's important to be informed and know your options before you make a decision. Yes. I would also say working with the right team on this group project will influence your experience overall. And it's okay to try to find or to take the time to find the right one. Yes. Go on dates. Date around. Get your team and then look for a place to live. It's going to go a long way. Another take it home point for me would be no one has a crystal ball. No one has a way to accurately predict the future. But there are trends that you can look for that could point you towards potential growth in an area. And you can decide if you rather be at a place that's already built and you have access to things that you want to have access to, or you rather be at a place that it could have growth in the future. And if that happens, can potentially appreciate the value of your home. Yes. So when you've got fear in the market, zoom out, look at the overall trends and make decisions based off of that. 
even though we don't have crystal balls, we can't see everything. Hindsight's 2020, et cetera, et <laughs> <laughs> So, okay. There you have it. Well, fortunately, we're making this podcast for fun and to build better lives. This is considered entertainment and should not be taken as financial tax or legal advice. Please, please, please contact a licensed professional before taking action in those areas. If you need somebody, we are happy to help you find someone. We hope you have a few points to take home with you, but enough about us. We would love to hear from you. We are your chatty friends in real estate. I'm MK Corey and would love to connect with you on Instagram. I am at MK Sells Texas. And I'm just Sally Rivera. And you can find me as Fine Plena. Thanks for listening to A Place to Live podcast. Until next time.